GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to this week's episode of The Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and I am joined by my co-host, who gets a little worried when I suggest we do blood tests. Hovercraft Joe's here. Uh, that's funny because I do feel like out of the two of us, who would really be worried about doing a blood test? Yeah, it's me. I don't do those. <laughs> I have this thing. Well, it's 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 horrible. It's a it's a thing. Well, uh, so we're we're back on the air. We uh, for those of you listening in real time, we we had some technical problems, but we are back. We are still in the midst of spooky month, and while I will say. I'm excited to talk about this movie. I do feel like maybe it's the biggest stretch as far as an action movie we've tried to pull off for Spooky Month in all the in all the years we've. There's not a lot of action in this movie. I mean, there's enough. Yeah, oh, that's all right. Fine. Yes, this is definitely more of a suspense thriller mm-hmm. um, than an action movie. But you know what? It's our show. We do what we want. That's true. That's fair. Uh, we are talking about 1982's John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, and I, uh, to commemorate the occasion, am enjoying a glass of uh, J&B Rare as oh. uh, we sit here and record. So nice. you guys can hear the clanking there in the mic. So yep. You're not just drinking it straight out of the bottle like everybody in the movie? <laughs> well, hopefully you don't make me mad or I'm going to dump the drink on my computer and call it a night. So. <laughs> Yeah, we have to you have to physically open up the CD drive and pour it in, <laughs> which is really bad because this is my work laptop. So they'd be like, um, "We're confused. What happened again?" Well, you see, I was trying to prove a point while we were recording the episode. They're like, "Say no more." <laughs> um, so, okay, this movie is released June twenty fifth, nineteen eighty two. So pretty close to my third birthday. Um, I mean, as far as backgrounds go with this movie and. I mean, I'll go first. I'll be honest with you. Like, this is a movie I've known about for a long time, but I had not seen the whole thing for a long... It it was only recently that I actually sat down and watched this whole movie from start to finish. And this viewing for the podcast was only my second time ever seeing it. Wow, okay. And I mean, obviously, I love John Carpenter. Well, okay, I don't going to say like... Blanket, I love John Carpenter because uh, Assault on Precinct 13 is one of my least favorite movies we've covered <laughs> on the podcast. Um, but in general, like this kind of like, I don't like what's the um, what's the chronology as far as like this Big Trouble in Little China and like Escape from New York? Do you know like Escape from New York was well, Big Trouble in Little China was after this. Uh, Escape from New York was after this also. I think Escape from New York was the next one he did. Okay, because for some because re- for some reason I thought that maybe Escape from New York was like eighty one and this is eighty two. But oh, you know what? You I, might be right. I'll look I guess I could have pulled. I guess I could have pulled it up too. I'm yeah, scrolling you're right. Back. Escape from New York was right before this. Yeah, so it went Assault on Precinct Thirteen, Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, then The Thing. Okay, and then got after it, this he it. did Christine. Starman, Big Trouble in Little China, and then Prince of Darkness, They Live, and stuff. And it goes on from there. Oh, I guess I didn't know that he uh, directed uh, Christine. But anyways, so so that's it. That's my boring background with this movie. All right. Well, um, I don't remember the first time I saw this. It was, I was, it was in my childhood. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, actually, I, I do kind of remember when... Back when we were kids, you know, mm-hmm. like elementary school aged, they used to do this thing in we're, in, we're in the Detroit area in Michigan, and they used to do this thing on Devil's Night where they would um, make the movie channels free. 
to try and keep people inside because there was a big problem the day before Halloween, um, people <coughs> committing arson, and it's a whole thing here in, in Detroit. It doesn't happen anymore. That's been completely cleaned up. But right. And that's actually the basis for the movie The Crow, too, uh, is Detroit Devil's Night. But uh, so I, I, I have a vague recollection of watching this like on HBO during Halloween when I was younger as like a free preview. They'd sh- they would show it. Um, so I'm fairly certain that's the first time I saw it. And mm-hmm. uh, it scared the crap out of me like that. The thing, the actual monster itself was the most scary thing that I had seen in my entire life up to that point. And I believe it. Um, and it, it's a movie that's always kind of stuck with me and I've seen it several, several, several times since then, either just on TV, like, you know, they used to show it all the time on TBS, TNT, whatever station, or, or actually I remember seeing it once on uh, the local uh, channel 20 when they would do like a matinee, a Saturday matinee. They had it on a couple times. Um, but I've seen it multiple, multiple times. It is, you know, not to, not to tip my hat, tip, tip, tip my hand. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> Not to tip your hat, but but you're gonna see, you're gonna hear it anyway while we're talking about it. So, uh, okay. So some of the numbers on this: uh, it has a budget of fifteen million dollars, um, a worldwide gross of only nineteen million dollars. So not a success, which is kind of funny because I feel like you know now it's cult status. Uh, I feel like every John Carpenter movie is like a cult classic. Like it doesn't do well at the box office, but it gets like a rabid following afterwards. He's really weird. It's like this movie, this sort of, yeah. So this movie, when it came out was a critical and commercial flop. Everyone hated it. Critics wise, the audiences kind of hated it. And I, and they think it had to do a lot with, um, in 1982, when it came out, the country was in a big depression. And so mm-hmm. they were looking for things that were more uplifting. So when this came out, the same day, Blade Runner came out, another <coughs> kind of dystopian, you know, dystopian movie that also was critically panned and a commercial failure that went on to become a huge cult classic. Um, and then also uh, E.T. came out. And E.T., you know, my feelings aside on E.T., uh, it was a huge hit. And mm-hmm. a kind of a feel-good take on aliens, you know, uh, a more hopeful take on, on on aliens and things. And that's sort of what the audiences were drawn to, is more hopeful, more uplifting stories, not things like The Thing or um, Blade Runner. Like, movies like that completely flopped. Um, that That's sort of why historians sort of attribute it to being so poorly reviewed and, 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 and viewed at the time it came out. And well, I mean, maybe this is something you're going to touch on later, but this is a remake question mark. Sort of. Yeah, it's a, it was a book. Uh, there was a novella called Who Goes There, um, which was written in 1938. And, you know, it's this is actually pretty close to the book itself. Uh, there was another movie made in the 50s called The Thing from Another World, mm-hmm. um, which was super faithful as well, but um, it was just sort of a, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, it was like a 50s B-movie. There wasn't okay. a lot of gore in it. It wasn't, it was just like a 50s B-movie. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so this movie's, uh, sorry, this movie has a Rotten Tomatoes of 83% uh, and an audience score of 92%. So, and... I would be remiss if I didn't mention that 83% for the Rotten Tomatoes is very, very, very higher than the 9% that Beverly Hills Cop 3 got for its Rotten Tomatoes. Weird. That's surprising. I figure Beverly Hills Cop 3 would be a little bit, oh, no, 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 I wouldn't. Beverly Hills <laughs> well, Cop 3 sucked. Dep- depends on who you ask, I guess. Um, okay. So the uh, top grossing movies of 1982. Uh, as you mentioned, number one is E.T., the extraterrestrial. Boo, number two. I'm going to boo that movie. Well, boo, every, boo, I mean, boo. if you're listening to this and you're on the Discord, you know that uh, LVJ has a real love-hate relationship with E.T. No, I hate. It's not love-hate. It's just hate. Mm, I hate that movie. That's open for debate. Uh, so number one is E.T., number two is Tootsie, and number three is an officer and a gentleman. Uh, this movie, The Thing, comes in 42nd. 
for the domestic box office. Now, 82 is a strange year, as in that we've covered a decent amount of movies in it. So other movies that we've done from 1982 on the podcast are number six, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, number seven, 48 Hours, number 13, First Blood, number 17, Conan the Barbarian, and number 31, The Road Warrior. So surprisingly, a, a pretty busy year for us. It is, yeah. And, um, you know, I would say a good year as far as, like, the movies we've covered. 82 is a solid year for us as far as, mm-hmm. you know, top to bottom goes. We, we look at some good movies. Mm, well, 48 Hours well, 48 Hours is terrible. But <laughs> aside from 48 Hours, the rest were great. Uh, okay, you ready to do a couple of networks? Oh, actually, you know what? Sorry. I'm doing this in the wrong order. That's we're going to talk about the cast first, we and then that, we're going to you know, mention the cast. So I'm going to mention uh, Kurt Russell, yep, uh, Keith David, and Wilfred Brimley. That's who I'm going to mention because those are the three that I know. What about you? What do you got? Uh, really, the only one that I was going to mention was T.K. Carter because he was on Punky Brewster. <laughs> He's got that sweet, sweet Punky Brewster money. And is he the like the the cook, like the chef? Yeah, he's the cook. The guy? Yeah, he's Nalls. He's on roller skate. Yep. Yeah, and that's that. Uh, just a, a spoiler alert before we get into the plot of this. I could not keep track of like the eighteen people at this. Uh, I couldn't keep track of their names. Like yeah, so, you're right. so I'm like, I know that McReady is Kurt Russell, and I know Keith David is Childs. Yep. And then after that, it gets really dicey. So, yeah, no, you're right. Like, like I, I remember, you know, Blair is William is is Wilford Brimley. Um, Which, by the way, how great is it to cover a uh, Wilford Brimley movie without Sphinx being here? Oh, you don't, oh, man, so good, so good, guys, guys, it's so <coughs> good. You don't understand. His Wilford Brimley impersonation is terrible. And it's it's persistent. Like he knows it's bad, but he keeps on doing it because he knows it's bad, and it's super irritating. I'm done ranting. Wilford Brimley, I'm happy to have you in this movie without Sphinx. Uh, okay, I only did two net worths. Let me guess so, who they are. <laughs> so first one is going to be Keith David. He has that sweet, sweet uh, six season of Community that was on Yahoo Screen Money. What do you think for Keith David? Keith David has that sweet, sweet Rick and Morty money. He plays the president in Rick and Morty. Um, I'm going to go... God, he does... He's a big voice actor, still acts, you know, does, does you know, in-person acting. I'm going to go... I'll go $15 million for him. A little high, only $5 million for is, Keith that David. That is a travesty. That man rocks bow ties like no one's business. He should at <laughs> least have $5 million for the bow ties. Uh, next up, Kurt Russell. He's got that sweet, sweet, the Christmas Chronicles money. What do you think for Kurt Russell? Which, by the way, I'm just thinking now, maybe in December we should do the Christmas Chronicles. Have you ever seen it? No. Kurt Russell plays Santa Claus in yeah, it? Yeah, no, I know he does. Okay, well, it's not bad. He's got that sweet, sweet 3,000 miles to Graceland money. Uh, I'm Which is... Go- which is funny. Sorry, before you guess, I was just talking about that movie with uh, today of all things with uh, previous guest of the pod, uh, Jeff JB, and I was like, "Is it good?" He's like, "It is not." <laughs> yeah. Wow. How did that even come up? I don't remember how it came up. It might have been because we were talking about the thing, and we were talking about Kurt Russell, but I I don't know. But it did come up. So. Wow. All right. Anyway, Kurt Russell, I'm going to go $125 million. Very close, but you overshot it a little bit. It's $100 million for Kurt Russell. Hey, you know what? Good for Kurt Russell. I like Kurt my, Russell. My alternate was going to be that sweet, sweet soldier money, which I've never seen, but I know that that's a you movie. You know what? That I have seen that movie, and I like it. <laughs> when are we going to do, do John Carpenter's Vampires on the podcast? Or what about John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars? Why is his name in front of everything? John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness? Question it's mark. It's thing, yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, okay, so if you hadn't guessed, this movie is directed by John Carpenter, uh, but not written by him. It's written by Bill Lancaster and John W. Campbell Jr. 
Um, and the music is by, uh, why don't you run with this? Because I don't have it in front of me. Oh, Ennio Morricone. There you go. And he's famous for like spaghetti westerns. Is that that guy? Is yeah, that he's like? Spaghetti westerns and um, in the Hateful Eight. Okay. Now, interestingly, <coughs> so it, so originally there was going to be a different uh, a different composer for this. It was going to be Jerry Goldsmith. He backed out. I don't know why. He just did. Uh, so they got Ennio Morricone to do it, uh, which is also strange because normally John Carpenter writes the music for all of his movies. He didn't in yeah. this case. It doesn't happen very often. He just didn't here. Um, but Morricone made something that it kind of sounds like what would be a John Carpenter score. Like it it's sounds true. pretty similar. Yeah. Um, it when it came out won a Razzie for the worst score, huh. which is crazy because the leftover music from the score he reused for the Hateful Eight and won the Oscar for best score. That's wild. Yeah. It's a very it's a very um, uh, what's the word I want to use atmospheric like this whole yes I mean obviously we'll get into it but like the whole thing about this movie is like isolation and like forebode and forebode it's foreboding yeah and like paranoia and it's like it's it kind of but i guess you know if i didn't watch the credits and like gun to my head i would have been like oh yeah that's like a john carpenter because it is a little bit synthy it's a little bit synthy and kind of like those like long like tones and stuff like that it's good uh for sure but it, it is funny because I, I do feel like it's like, well, this does seem like something John Carpenter would write. Yeah, until we did, until I did the research for the show, I always thought it was John Carpenter's score. Like I just assumed, you know, and I didn't even, I never even bothered looking at the credits for it. So when mm-hmm. I was watching it for the show, I'm like, oh, this is not John, this is Ennio Morricone. Like it's mm-hmm. not John Carpenter doing the score. It totally blew my mind. This is one of those things that really caught me off guard. Uh, okay, I got a couple taglines for you if you think you can handle them. Yeah, I'm all right with it. All right, first one. Anytime, anywhere, anyone. All right. Yeah. N- next one. Man is the warmest place to hide. That's, I don't know. That can, that's super creepy. That's um, creepy. But it's good. The next one. Look closely at your neighbor. Trust no one. They might be the thing. That's apparently on the UK video box. And then the last one is the ultimate in alien terror. Okay. I remember that one. That might be the one that's on like the box or uh, whatever. It's on the, yeah, it's on the poster. <coughs> that's the one I remember. So those are all my uh, numbers and facts. What do you else do you got or anything else you want to mention before we start talking about the uh, plot of the movie? Uh, I mean, it took a long time to kind of get off the ground. They'd been working on it as early as the mid seventies. Um, and it went through a lot of different, um, a lot of different, uh, directors and a huge, there's a huge, I have a huge list of role reversals for it, uh, later on, but it's one of those movies that just kind of kept plugging away, kept plugging away and eventually got made, um, and uh, yeah, it's gone on to become, you know, kind of one of the most one of John Carpenter's most important films. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll talk about it. I, I'm sure once we're done with the plot, but there is a prequel that they put out. Yeah. Um, well, we get into the plot a little bit because the movie starts with a helicopter. Well, uh, let that. The movie starts with a spaceship crashing a spaceship from outer crash. space. Yes. The movie has a very similar uh, opening that than the uh, original Predator. It, you know, you're right. It does. Because it's, it's like in space and you see the spaceship. I mean, this one crashes, right. Predator one lands. But anyways, sorry. Yeah. So, and then after that, the, the next like little the next few scenes are a helicopter chasing a dog across the snow. Right, we're in we're in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. It tells us it's winter in 1982. Right. Uh, there's a helicopter and it's chasing this uh, husky like across the snow. Dude, in the helicopter is a re- very bad shot, dude. Like he's not great. I mean, granted, shooting out of a helicopter is not easy. Um, but the what I was getting at is the prequel is all the stuff that takes place <coughs> before the helicopter. Like the prequel ends with the helicopter essentially taking off. So is that movie all in Norwegian? No. Oh, all right. Well, it's not, don't, it's not a dumb question. No, it's a, no, it's a fine question. Parts of it are, but oh. um, but no, the whole thing is, and I mean, you know, I don't know if they do like a 
if they do like a hunt for red October thing where it starts off in Russian with subtitles and they bleed it into just people speaking English. Um, just like uh, you've told me it's not bad. And actually uh, Jeff told me today that it's a decent movie, but I just don't, I just don't see how a movie where you know what the end is like could be that good. Like, you know what? And that's what makes it good is you don't expect it to be anything. And then it ends up being good. hmm, All right. Well, anyways, we'll, we'll, table that for now so so yeah they're trying to shoot this husky uh then we see the sign for the united states national science institute station four uh we're introduced to kurt russell's character mcgrady uh he's like the helicopter pilot he's like he has his own shack and he's like sitting there and he's uh he's playing the uh computer he's playing the computer chess game yeah uh voiced by adrian barbo oh is that who that is who was married to john carpenter at the time Oh, and he thinks he's going to win and he loses and he like calls a computer game like a dumb bitch and like dumps his drink, his drink of uh, JMB Rare in there, yeah. which I'm like, that's just like a bad call. Like, uh, uh, Kurt Russell, you only got so much going on there. The, you know, yeah, I was thinking that too. Like you're in the Antarctic, Antarctic, you're not going to see new video games anytime soon. Yeah. Why, but to why, be, why dump drinks in the, in be, the one? To be fair, though, in their rec room, they did have like an uh, arcade cabinet, like a pinball machine, and that's true. They did. So, um, so anyway, each other. Yeah. So, so then the dude in the helicopter uh, switches to grenades, and he's even he's somehow worse at throwing grenades. And then, like, they land the helicopter, and like, I, I, it's through some weird series of events, blows himself and the helicopter up because like he goes to throw a grenade and throws it backwards? Question mark. It was no, didn't he get uh didn't he get shot and drop it? I don't think he got shot cuz the the person with the gun didn't come out the 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 chief guy didn't come out until after the helicopter already blew out. Well, oh, I thought right. he just That's right. That's right. So anyways, he messes up, helicopter blows up, then the then the dude now not in the helicopter still can't hit this damn dog. He's like walking around, shoots some other dude in the leg. Um, and then, uh, the chief guy whose name I can't remember who kind of looks like, uh, what's his face from hot shots to me. Um, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. He looked like, um, Troutman, uh, in Rambo. Um, what's his name? I cannot let me think of his name now. Lloyd Bridges. Oh yes, sorry. Yes, you're he, right. He looks like Lloyd Bridges, not not Troutman from Rambo. Yes, Lloyd Bridges. He looks like uh, Lloyd Bridges. So anyway, so he shoots the Norwegian guy. Um, then they cut to the radio guy, whose Windows I think is the radio guy's name. Yeah, radio operator's Windows because he wears glasses. That's why they call it Windows. And he can't get anyone on the radio to figure out what's going on. So then, because there's a huge snowstorm coming in. It, this is where I get confused again. So. Is the doctor Wilford Brimley or the other guy? Are they both doctors? Um, Wilford Brimley is he's a biologist. Okay, right. The other guy, okay. the other guy's the actual like physician. <coughs> that's Sarah Cooper. He's the actual doctor for the for them. But yeah, Blair Wilford Brimley is the biologist who's studying, you know, whatever organic compounds or whatever it is they find up there. Okay, because the doctor wants to fly and check out the Norwegian base, so him and Kurt Russell go and do that. Do you? How would you describe Kurt Russell's hat that he has? Kurt Russell's hat. I wish I owned one. Uh, I love his hat. It's like, uh, you know, what's weird. It's kind of like the hat that he wears in Hateful Eight. Um, it's it's weird because it's like it's it, it has like it's almost like a square, and it, yep. it like has it like flips up. It has like front. edges. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very weird. Yeah, the front of the bill flips up. And then, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just kind of a unity hat. I've never seen another hat like it. Uh, I told, uh, I told uh, JB today when I was talking to him that if you could find a hat like that, I told him it would be a super easy Halloween costume. Just like the hat, go have a beard and like walk around with a bottle of JMP and you could take slugs out of it. I'm already halfway there. I got the beard part. Yeah. You just got to get a hat. Uh, Okay. So they, uh, I might do that now. Yeah, there you go. I feel like I feel like maybe that hat's either impossible to find or a lot easier than we think it might be to find. So well, we'll look it up later. Uh, uh, so okay, so they fly off to check it off. The cook is uh, wearing roller skates for some Which reason. Is weird. Just 
Uh, and then we get the dog, the dog from the other camp. We kind of get him just like walking around and we get that real like sinister shot of him, like walking into somebody's room. Like we don't know whose room it is, but he like walks in. Yeah. Cause um, we should set up, there's, there's an actual, um, I don't know if he's like a, if he's like a dog trainer, wrangler, dog wrangler. They have a bunch of huskies there for a sled dog as right. sled dogs. So they sort of, so this guy, I can't even remember his name now. Um, uh, Clark, he's the dog handler. Clark. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, he essentially, the dog just sorts, starts to, he doesn't lock the dog up in the kennel at first. The dog mm-hmm. just sort of wanders around the base. Um, yeah. For some reason, but they have dogs in a kennel that, and, and a dog handler who for, for whatever reason doesn't think to lock it up right away. It's true. So, uh, Kurt Russell and the doctor get to the Norwegian, Norwegian camp it's all fucked up. <laughs> like yeah, it's, just, it's, ex- it's exposed to the elements. There's like dead bodies. Did that one person like kill themselves? Is that what it is? They like slit their wrist. Cause yes. it almost looked like the, the blood yep. was coming out of the wrist, but it was like frozen. Yeah, it was freezing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all messed up. Uh, they find the frozen dead guy. They find like a portable video unit and a bunch of papers, which the doctor grabs. Cause he's like, well, this might be important. Um, so they leave, uh, they go into the back of the base and they kind of find like, it's like a big piece, a big block of ice almost that they cut out of. I, I had a hard time describing it in my notes. Yeah. Yeah. So think of it as, <clears throat> so let, they're on a glacier, right? Imagine if you took a saw and cut a rectangular, like a rectangular portion out of the ice. Like you cut your own giant ice cube out and brought it back as a giant sample. It was a big, it was big. So it was like, you know, probably 10 feet by 10 feet by five feet, you know, mm-hmm. wide and maybe another five feet deep. Yeah. You know, it was big. So they, it was a big hunk of ice. So they find that. And then when they go to leave, they find outside a really weird looking like mangled burnt corpse like it's it's like it has kind of like two faces and it it's very hard to describe and so they take it with them because they want to do like an autopsy on it right um so that's when we get our first very gross part of this movie when they're doing the autopsy on it oh that was like that was that part always gets me it's so gross i i I mean listen the the practical effects in this are great but everything is disgusting in this movie like it's like it really is it's like barfarama that's what we should bring up too. Like the movie had a fifteen million dollar budget, one point five million on it was just for creature effects. So they yeah. spent one and a half million dollars for this guy named Rob Botton um, to create all these effects uh, for for the alien for the thing. He actually went on to win a bunch of awards for it too. Um, well, yeah. and, and I and I feel like you can tell this is one of those movies where like they're like, well, we have to have we can't just use red blood. We have to use weird other like. Yeah. colors of stuff so so it's like there's like green liquids and all it, it's it's gross it's it's i mean it, it looks really cool and it's it's amazing that they were able to do all of it in 1982 but it like some of the stuff in this movie makes me nauseous like for yeah. real like how gross it is how <laughs> visceral how visceral it is visceral is a good uh, word that's a that's a great way to describe it yes very visceral um, so I have a note that says, Hey, at least they have a VCR. Cause they're watching like tapes of like old, uh, game shows. So yeah. they got a VCR going. Um, so they, uh, put, they finally put the dog, the alien dog with all the other dogs. Um, and it, it goes, it, it, it this is an, it's like another really gross thing. Cause they put it in the kennel with the dogs and it kind of turns into like, like it sprouts like legs and it kind of almost turns into like a spider like looking thing. Yeah. And it like, and it like launches out like its tongue and like grabs like one of the other dogs and starts like killing it. And like, it's weird. Yeah. It's super weird. Like the, 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 the thing it's trying to absorb all of these other dogs and, and, and take on its, you know, and take on its mass so it can become other things. Um, but yeah, it sprouts. You're right. It sprouts like, like giant spider legs and then shoots out tentacles at the rest of the other dogs to try and feed on it and, and, and absorb it. Right. So the dogs are making a lot of noise. Uh, the dog wrangler finds this out. He calls everybody in. Uh, they end up burning it with a flamethrower. This base is filthy with flamethrowers. 
Like, I feel at one point later on the movie, there's like six people standing around and five of them are wearing flamethrowers. Yes. I mean, yes, there's a lot of flamethrowers. It does make sense, though, because they would have to thaw things off pretty rapidly, quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, So having the flamethrowers makes sense, especially for like de-icing the helicopter and things like that. Fair enough. Um, so they do another gross autopsy. Uh, this is when we find out, um, you know, uh, I think it's, is it the doctor doctor or is it Wilford Brimley that kind of, you know, kind of explains that it, like by looking at the blood and stuff that it's an organism that imitates other life forms. Like it can perfectly replicate another life form so much so that I think they say that like, if it imitated you, like you wouldn't even know that you were the thing. Right. Isn't that kind of what they say? Or, or is that not true? Uh, they don't. I don't know that part of it. If you wouldn't know that you were the thing, I, I think that um, it imitates them so perfectly that it can represent itself as that person seamlessly. Okay. But it still knows it's you know okay. the alien organism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It okay. doesn't lose its. It doesn't lose its. You know, consciousness. Right. So they watch uh, footage that they brought back from the Norwegian camp. Uh, and Kurt Russell and they, they go to, they go, they fly again to investigate like where the Norwegians were kind of like spending all their time. Uh, and they find that basically they uh, excavated this big, huge spaceship that was like buried under the ice uh, that they estimate was like, has been there for like a hundred thousand years. Yeah. Um, and that's when they see, they think that the, the alien was like jettisoned when it crashed and like, cause they find the big hole that they dug the ice block out of. Yeah, almost like it wasn't wearing its seatbelt and got ejected out the front window. So, uh, yeah. So we cut back to uh, Wilford Brimley, and he's kind of doing calculations where the computer tells him that there's a 75% probability that one or more team members uh, may have been infected with the intruder organism. Um, And I think, I can't remember the stats, but they basically tells him that, like, if it were to reach, like, like uh like get out of antarctica and reach like the mainland or you know like whatever it would be like i don't be like it was some something about how long it would take for it to take over the whole world and it was like maybe a hundred thousand hours or something it wasn't like it was something that wasn't that much time for it to like take over the whole world a lot less than yeah than you would expect so okay so uh the alien that they thought was dead uh the one that they brought back from the Norwegian camp wasn't dead and it kills uh Bennings, I think it is. Yeah. Uh yeah, Bennings. They they and they catch That's him the like what's that? Be- Bennings is the or you know, he's the he's the meteorologist. I'm sorry, he's the okay. weatherman. Because they kind of find him like in the process of the uh thing trying to take him over, and he's got right. like weird alien hands in his yep. mouth. So they burn him. Um, then like Wilford Brimley kind of loses his mind and he like trashes the helicopter and he's like freaking out and he's trashing all the, uh, radio equipment. Uh, we found out that he like trashed the tractor they have. He killed all the other sled dogs and like, he's basically like lost it. Yeah. Like he, he is doing everything (coughs) he possibly can to save himself and make sure the alien doesn't get off the base and he's just going to kill everybody if he has to do it. Right. So they end up subduing him and they lock him outside like in a tool shed, but they do leave him a bottle of vodka. So they're not they're not all bad. Um, So uh, they're completely cut off at this point because all their vehicles and stuff are destroyed. They don't have the radio. And they basically realize that uh, if someone is a perfect imitation that well, see, this is where I ask that, because I have my notes here that, that when they're talking about it, they said that they realize that if someone was a perfect imitation, they wouldn't be able to tell like because it's such a perfect copy that like. Uh, they wouldn't know until exposed. But anyways, that's that just what the, I have. That the, that well, I guess the, maybe, the thing would still know it's a, it's a thing. Oh, well, I don't know. I, what, you know, I don't know. Hey, you know what? This is a good question for the Discord. Let yeah. us know. If the, if the thing assimilated you, would you know that you were the thing? Let us know what you think. Anyways, so they decide that they're going to test everyone's blood. Um 
because they have samples of everyone's like clean blood. But then mm-hmm. when they go to access the clean blood, it's all been destroyed. And this is where like the paranoia really takes in because only so, so many people have the key to get into the blood, mm-hmm. and they all start like arguing. And then the the Windows guy runs like and like breaks open the thing. It's like you have all these shotguns. Why did you have the shotguns out? Why are they? <laughs> like they never use the shotguns again in the movie? No, they don't. They don't. I mean, r- realistically, the shotguns wouldn't really do much anyway. I think they kind of figured like burning it's really your best bet. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so th- they end up putting Kurt Russell in charge because um, they think he's kind of the most level headed. Uh, then they burn all the blood bags, and I wasn't exactly sure why they did that. Mm, I don't know. I think maybe to, to make sure, like, the organism didn't didn't leave anything behind just to sort of make sure there wasn't nothing nothing, there wasn't anything contaminated still sitting around okay and then like i think it's like the three guys that kurt russell thinks are most likely to have been taken over by the alien he has them get tied up and like shot up with morphine yeah um also like he's kind of sitting there recording a tape where he's basically like hey if anyone to if anyone finds this, like this is what happens, which is like, I mean, obviously it's not gonna happen now, but perfect setup for a sequel because then someone finds that tape and listens to it, right? Yeah. Um. Uh. He's also just slugging drinks out of the uh, J and B bottle, <laughs> um, and and talking about how they found a pair of like shredded long johns that they think that the creature from the creature like destroying them, but they don't know who they are. Right. Yeah. Because okay, nameplate that was on it has been removed. And the one guy is kind of like, hey, you know what? Like, uh, I think everyone should at this point, we should, we need to eat everything out of cans and everyone should prepare their own food, you know, just yep. as like a precaution. Um, so they also find some shredded clothes of like Kurt Russell's outside. They're like a, it, like a shirt of his or whatever. It says like McReady on there, you yeah. know, they find it's outside. Like a jacket, I think. Yeah. So uh, I, I do like when they're kind of going out. Uh, and they're like trying to figure out what's going on. They go to talk to Wilford Brimley, and he's like, "Oh, I really like to come back inside now. I'm a lot better." And they're like, e, "Nah, <laughs> yeah, no, pretty sure you're not going to happen." And and do you think? Because you know, spoiler alert, you find out he's an alien. You find out he's a, he's a thing. Do you think, like at that moment, he's? I had, a, I had that conversation with uh, with JB today when I was talking about because it it's like, well, when when was Wilford Brimley? When did he become a thing? Like, was he a thing when he was like trashing all the equipment and stuff like that? Right. I don't know, but I, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so because the aliens holding is that he wanted to get back to civilization. So I don't think that he would have. He wanted to. He the the alien wanted to stay hidden right. and get back to you know society. So I I, I don't know when. It took Wilford Brimley over. And then there's like, oh, we'll get into the other thing with Wilford Brimley, which sure. is yep. like, I-, I thought was kind of the most ridiculous thing in this movie. But anyways, so uh, I-, I also have a note that says, man, this place is filthy with flamethrowers and flares. They got a lot of flares. Although so I flares. will say this, that makes sense because when you're in, in the Antarctic, batteries are probably not going to work very well. You're going to need something that has a chemical process to create light. And that would be a flare. But they also have they also have flashlights, though. To be fair, though. they do. But the flashlights run on batteries. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so they oh uh, they end up finding uh, Fuchs. Uh, yeah. out, Fuchs is the guy that was kind of like going through all the doctors, all Wilford Brimley's notes, and they find him outside, dead, burned, and they don't know if somebody killed him or if he like killed himself because he figured out he was turning into a thing. Right. Um, it's unclear. Okay. So they all go back to the base. They have a lot. They all flamethrowers. The one dude, I think it's the cook. Maybe I'm not sure which guy, but he thought that Kurt Russell was a thing. So he like kind of like cut him off the guideline while they were outside in the snow. So they, so they think that Kurt Russell's like lost outside at this point. Yep. Uh, but he wasn't. And he gets it back inside. And then Kurt Russell's got a big stick of dynamite. And he's kind of like, Hey, if you try and kill me, I'm going to light this dynamite and blow all of us up. So uh, then, this this part is so gross. So then, what? <laughs> this part's great. Th- then one of the dudes dies. He has a heart I can't attack. remember. He has a heart attack Cooper. and dies. So then the doc, or copper, sorry. The doc is like, "All right, I'm going to bring him back to life." So he gets like the defibrillator and he goes to shock him in the chest. The dude's chest turns into like an alien mouth uh-huh. and like bites off the doctor's hands. 
It's so gross. I got it. it like <coughs> some of the stuff in this movie is so inventive. Like I, it's so cool. Like the just the way this guy gets de- like mauled is unbelievable. You don't expect it. Like you don't even yeah. see it coming, and then it just happens. Well, then, like, so then Kurt Russell burns the body, and then it's even gross because, like, the he- like it's so gross when the head like detaches, like uh-huh. how it looks when it like stretches out and like falls down, and then gross spider legs, and it's like walking around and yeah. like making like a horrible screeching sound. Um, but they end up they end up finding that and burning the head too. Uh, so then uh, the the dog guy tries to stab Kurt Russell with a scalpel, and he like straight up shoots him in the head. Um, so then they decide they are going to do a blood test because they're like, well, it doesn't react well to like fire. And, and I think they hypothesize that, that and I'm, and I, I might explain this wrong, but I think what they say is that like, well, it's all, it can spread itself out, but it's all one organism. So if like, it's, if your blood is part of it, it's still going to react like it's part of the whole. Right. Yeah, that's right. So they, ha- they have Kurt Russell hypothesized that if they burn the blood, it's going to feel pain yep. because it's actually part of the organism. Correct. So, yeah, that's right. uh, so they take uh blood samples from everyone and they, they heat up a wire and they like put it in the blood to see how it reacts. Um, and then it seems like everyone passes and they get to the one guy that like reacts and it like the blood flips out and the guy flips out. He turns and like the, the two people are like tied onto the couch with them and they're like flipping out. They're like, cut, and, like, cut us loose, cut us loose. Yeah. And then like he kind of like his like the guy, the things like face turns into like a mouth almost and like clamps onto another guy's head and yeah. is like lifting him up in the air and there's blood everywhere. Um, it's really gross because windows he kills windows that's way yeah uh and they they light it on fire but then it kind of like runs out of the wall like smashes through the wall and uh kurt russell throws some dynamite at it and blows it up right yeah it's straight up kool-aid bands and then like <laughs> kurt russell hits it with a dynamite and it just straight up explodes it is gruesome right so they they burn windows body mm-hmm. uh then they figure out that all the remaining humans at the base are all the people remaining are human but then they're like, Ew, we got to go give Wilford Brimley the test. So they go out to the shed to give him the test, and he's gone. This is the part I have a problem with. So yeah. <clears throat> they find that he was digging a tunnel under the work shed. But like, not only did he dig a tunnel, but he dug out enough space and was stealing parts and building a spaceship? Question mark. Well, see, th- yes, that part's kind of crazy because they don't really explain the timeline. Of like how long all this is taking, so that part's kind of you don't really know the time frame for all this stuff. Um, there's also you find out later on that there's actually more than one thing there, mm-hmm. so it could be a situation where they're working in tandem, like it's all part of one organism, but it's been split off into a couple different parts. Maybe they're all, maybe it's all being worked on at the same time. Maybe it's gathering things. Like that's the only thing I could so think a, of is maybe so a hive. So a hive mind. It's like a symbiote. Yeah, like a hive <laughs> mind. Yeah, like a symbiote. Um, it, so that that's sort of my only thought on how to explain it is maybe it's collectively working. You know, and obviously it can grow a bunch of different arms. It can obviously yeah. do a bunch of different things at once. Maybe it's working very quickly because it. Because it has no limitations as far as, like, you know, how many limbs it can have and how much work it can actually get done in a certain amount of time. Well, so the power goes out at the camp because they blow up whatever the spaceship was building. And then uh, Kurt Russell hypothesizes he thinks that the thing now its plan is that it's going to get itself frozen again. <laughs> so yeah. when someone eventually comes out to check out the camp, they'll find it and take it back and thaw it out. Um so they start. They basically at this point they're kind of like, well, we're screwed. Like we're we're not going to be rescued, and we have to stop this thing. So they're they're just going to blow up like the whole camp. Uh, and and Keith David, I just at one point just like wanders off. Yeah, <laughs> like, like like he just, just wanders off. Runs like just you just yeah. see him running across the snow. Yeah, so he wanders off. So it's uh, Kurt, Kurt Russell and Gary, who's like the guy that looks like. Um, He's the commander. Uh, the guy, he looks like the commander. Lloyd Bridges. Uh, and then I think maybe the cook is the only guy, other guy left. Uh, Unconfirmed. Yeah, T.K. Carter. Yeah. Okay. So the, they're going around. They're trying to set charges to blow up the whole base. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing gets Gary, who's the the guy from uh, who looks like uh, Lloyd Bridges. 
Um, now, and the thing gets uh, the the cook too, and then the thing kind of like it, it, it it's like very big now. It's like it's like kind of like coagulated, turned itself into this really big, and like it's like a really weird looking, and like a like a one of the dogs like splits out of it, and it's like, and then uh, what does Kurt Russell do? He like throws the dynamite at it, and he says, "Yeah." fuck you too and he blows it up and like blows up the entire base because they have like it all wired to blow up mm-hmm. uh so the whole base so he's so again he says yeah fuck you too it's it's pretty great the whole base blows up um uh and so kurt russell's kind of sitting around somehow he still has the bottle of jmb rare and he's drinking it um and Keith David shows back up uh and they're kind of like well what are we gonna do and they they basically Neither of them is a hundred percent sure that the other one's not an alien, right? And they kind of know that there's nothing they can do. And once the fire, the fires are the only thing kind of keeping it the temperature like warm enough for them to be alive. So they're kind of like, well, once the fire goes out, we're probably going to be dead. So they just kind of sit there and drink the scotch and wait to freeze to death. Yep. <laughs> that's the end. the end of the. That's the end. Yep. What a bummer ending. Yeah. Did you did you catch? Um. Like, because there's sort of an ambiguity at the end, like who's an alien, who's not. Did you see John Carpenter says it's not a secret? I put it in there on purpose. You could tell who is and who isn't. I didn't. I know I didn't see any of that. No. And I went. I went back and watched it to confirm. But if you watch the scenes, Kurt Russell's breathing. Keith David is not breathing. Oh, in that yeah, scene at the no end? there's no breath coming out of Keith David whatsoever. And Kurt Russell's is billowing out. He's like, I made it obvious. I guess that's interesting. I didn't notice that, and I didn't I didn't see it in the notes, but... Mm-hmm. I didn't notice it until... Uh, I didn't notice it until... Um, like, after I was... Like I said, I was doing the research. I had never noticed it until seeing it uh, in the research, and then I went back and watched it. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, next time I watch it, I'll have to check that out. Um Anything uh, you have? Um, oh, I didn't. See, did you see that? Said it, Kurt Russell said it took him a year to grow that beard that uh, McGrady has. Yeah, which is crazy because, like, I feel like he's growing and shaving his beard all the time now. Yeah. So well, that it is a it is a pretty intense beard, but it is, it's good. He's good. That man can grow facial hair. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, what? So what? What do you got? I've been, I've been like this whole uh, episode. I've been curious now about your uh, role reversals. There's a ton. Okay, so whew, here we go. All right. So for Kurt Russell's character, Mac, uh, names attached to this that either turned it down or or they didn't go with Christopher Walken, <laughs> Jeff Bridges, who I think Jeff Bridges would have been pretty good. I could see Jeff Bridges for sure. Yeah, Nick Nolte. Sam Shepard, uh, that was all I had for him. Um, for Childs, which is, um, he was... Uh, the chef? Uh, he, he was, no, he was, the, he was Keith David. Oh, Keith David, yeah, okay. Keith David's character, yep. They had uh, Carl Weathers. I can uh, see that. Isaac Hayes. <laughs> and Ernie Hudson was cast, and then at the last min- minute couldn't do it. So oh, it dang. was going to be Ernie Hudson. Okay. And then they, they grabbed Keith David. Um, for Gary, the um, Gary was the uh, the commander, so Lloyd Bridges. Uh, Powers Booth, who I think would have oh. been good. Oh, dang. Powers Booth. Love and me some Powers Booth. Lee Van Cleef and Jerry Orbach. All right. Uh, now, for <laughs> Copper, there's a ton. Uh, Copper was the... Um, he was the uh, the physician, the doctor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Brian Dennis, <coughs> Chris Christofferson, Ed Harris, Tom Berenger, Scott Glenn, Fred Ward, Peter Coyote, and uh, some guy named Tom Atkins. <laughs> um, I think, you know, his character is not, you know, doesn't move the needle one way or the other. I should have got Whistler. They should, have got, they should have got Whistler. Uh, so Palmer is the other one I have. He was the mechanic, the assistant mechanic, kind of the, you know, I guess funny guy. Uh, they had Jay Leno, <laughs> Gary Shandling, 
oh, or man. Charles Fleischer. Do you know who Charles Fleischer is? He's the voice of Roger Rabbit. Oh, jeez. That, that's weird. That's weird. That's a strange one. But that's all That's all the ones I was able to pull. I, there's probably more, but that's all the ones I was able to find right here. Um, I mean, there, are, there are other attempts like for directors. Originally, they wanted to do like John Landis to do it. Um, Toby Hooper was attached at one point. Um, there are a couple others that were, too. But there are, there are a lot of... There are a lot of people over the course of the development of this that, you know, was going to make it at some point. And then obviously it went to John Carpenter. So even role reversals for the for the director. Who I, I was just scrolling through some of the stuff and it says that you may have mentioned this, but it said that uh, the original choice for Blair was Donald Pleasance. Oh, yes. Sorry. I, I, yes. Yep. It was originally going to be Donald Pleasance. Nice. Oh, Wilfred Brimley disagreed with the film's level of gore, believing it affected the audience negatively. Shut up, Wilfred Brimley. Brimley. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, that's uh, that's wild that uh, so many different people were uh, so many role reversals. I feel like we haven't had a lot in a while, so right. You know, and this is weird. This is one of those movies that has like we didn't even touch on. We didn't touch on a lot of the background for this we didn't touch on a lot of the making of the movie there is so much information now about the making of this movie and um everything that went into it like we could have we probably i could have probably done four or five hours of research on it and still not gotten everything yeah Um, you know and that's that's a testament to how big of a of a of a cult movie this has become um, typically, that's what happens is you, you get a movie that's a flop, becomes a cult hit, and then all of a sudden, like, information comes out of the woodwork for it. Yeah. Meanwhile, we've got movies that are, you know, huge hits that we can't find any research on. It's <laughs> it's bananas. So basically, we're saying do your own research for this one. Kind of like a little uh, reading rainbow. Yeah. Check it out. There's a lot. There's tons of stuff here. Yeah. And if we didn't mention some fun fact that you want to tell us about the thing... Let us know in the Discord. Yeah, that's a good idea. Stan Winston t- technically designed the creature, but didn't take credit. He refused to take credit because of all the work that um, Botton had done. Like, he didn't want to detract from that whatsoever because Botton did such great work that mm-hmm. the only credit he received that John, that uh, that um, uh, Stan Winston received was just a special thanks to Stan Winston. That's all he wanted. Huh. How about that? Yep. Um, all right. I don't really have anything else specific. Do you want to just write this thing? Let's do it. All right. All right. How do you want to handle this? You want to go first? You want to go second? How do you want to do it? I'll go first. All right. Um, so obviously, like I said, this is only my second time watching this movie, but uh, it is... A, a a really well made movie like it the 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 how foreboding it is and how like kind of like it just builds and builds and builds and like the 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 kind of terror and the paranoia and the isolation like all of it that it does it does such a good job with it and kind of like really making you feel all the characters and kind of all of them slowly losing their mind and kind of realizing the situation they're in at first, kind of it being like unbelievable and then kind of thinking they're going to figure it out. And then kind of by the end, like, well, there's nothing we can do. Like we're screwed. So it's just, it's, it's does such a good job of kind of capturing. I I feel like all the emotions and kind of, like I said, like the isolation and the terror and all that stuff and the paranoia is like, it's just a very creepy movie to watch, you know, like, and like we said, the special effects are amazing uh, for what they did for like 1982. And, you know, to a certain extent, they still hold up really well. I mean, for being all practical effects and like, yeah, I mean, like it, it, it some of it's over the top of the gore and, and, you know, maybe a little bit of the plot doesn't make sense, but it's, it's a good movie. Uh, and if it's something you haven't seen, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Cause it's like I said, it's not, it doesn't have a lot of like, 
jump scares and it's not like that i, I mean a little bit because some of the times when it becomes a thing like you're not expecting it but i feel like a lot of this movie it's just the the, the the atmosphere and like the sense of like not knowing um so i'll i'll give this movie four machine guns okay uh yeah i'm right with you um you know it's a it, this is a horror thriller movie you know it, it's almost it's got it's got a little bit of a whodunit to it because you don't really know who the thing is and who's not the thing. Um, there's a it, the atmosphere is is built so well, like everything plays together perfectly. The way it's shot, the way the scenes are filmed, the way it's lit, uh, the music that goes along with it, um, everything feels kind of claustrophobic. And mm, that's a good word, claustrophobic. Claustrophobic and isolated, and um, it, it's it's uh, like it, it, this is a masterclass as far as creating atmosphere and letting atmosphere create the drama for the movie. Um, obviously, there's drama within the story itself, but it's enhanced by everything else in the film. Um, I do think this is this might be John Carpenter's best film. Um, I'm trying to think of one that's better. Like I, I love Big Trouble in Little China, but I think this is the I better do too. movie. Um, I, I, this is probably a better movie. I'd rather watch Big Trouble in Little China. That's fair. No, I get it. That's such a fun movie. Which, um, by which, by the way, I do feel like when we do get down to doing the last action redo month, like we might want to redo Big Trouble in Little China just because I'm so bummed I didn't get to be on that episode. That's fair. I'm alright with that. <laughs> I, you know what? I would welcome that actually. Um, but anyway, yeah. I, all right. So I'm a, I'm a John Carpenter slappy. I love pretty much every John Carpenter film. Uh, I yeah, even yeah. love assault on precinct 13. Uh, <sighs> I know, uh, man, this, and this is, like I said, this is one of my, not just my favorite horror movies. This is one of my favorite movies. I just love it. It's definitely my favorite horror movie. It's the one horror movie that still creeps me out. Like mm-hmm. I don't get creeped out by a lot of things. I don't horror movies don't really hit me in that way. This one does. And when something like that happens to me, I really take notice of it. Um, I love watching this movie. I'm not going to go five machine guns. Cause you're right there. It's not a perfect movie, but I am going to go four and a half machine guns just because of how I feel about it. Personally. I love this movie. Hey, Fair enough. I won't argue on that. I I, I feel that like it, it is great, and I stand by my rating. I do feel like I don't know. Like I haven't watched it enough times to so, like. I know that it's not going to completely lose its you know like the feeling behind it, but I do feel like maybe after repeated, repeated, repeated viewings, like maybe it's just not as tense because you kind of do know everything that's going on. That's fair. You're right. But well, you know, I mean, I, I found something new that I didn't notice before. Like I always thought it was an ambiguous ending. Turns out it's not ambiguous. Well, there you go. And and I'm going to look for that next time I watch it. So you can actually just watch a clip of it. It's like a three minute clip. And you can next see it. time I watch the movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? Don't let me tell you how to do your job. Although I, I, I might after all this, uh, I was thinking that I, 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 I might watch that uh, prequel now just cause I'm curious to uh, it's real check good. It out. It's got your girl in it. Mary Elizabeth Weinstead? Yeah, I know you love her. You big, big, big Emmy W fan. What? That's not great. I'm a Mary big Elizabeth. fan of her being in, uh, what was the um, Quentin Tarantino part of uh, 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 the Grindhouse? I don't, oh. love, I don't You know I don't love Quentin Tarantino movies. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, come on. Yeah, well, she, she was in... Uh, in uh what's it called scott pilgrim oh that's right she wasn't scott pilgrim that's right uh so there you go she's uh, in die hard she's one of the die hard movies yeah she's in the ford die hard which i actually um i i don't hate the ford die hard we should do that one at some point the one with justin long yeah i don't hate it either. and uh and the villains timothy oliphant yeah, i don't hate it either it's not great but i don't hate it what's that one called uh live free or die hard Hard. yeah that's right i own it i got it sitting right there i can see it from here (laughs) well all right stuff flexing big flex (laughs) anyway um yeah anything else you want to touch on for the movie 
No, I mean, I think I kind of covered everything. So unless you have something, I mean, I, you know. No, I don't have anything. But I, you know what I do have? I have a recommendation to anyone listening to this podcast. Join our Discord. Chat with us. Oh, Let us know good. what you yeah. think. You know, <coughs> did we miss something? Um, is there a favorite part that you have? Uh, can you explain some of the ambiguity in the plot? When did uh, when did um, uh, uh, Wilford Brimley become a thing? You know, we don't know. We're not sure. Let us know. What do you think? What do you guys think? And if you want to join Discord, go Discord. Go to GameZillaMedia.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page. Click the Discord link, and you can join us. You can chat with us. We get new people in all the time. Um, it's great. I love it when new people pop in that are just finding the podcast because they will watch the show. I'm sorry, listen to the show, and then make comments about the episodes that stuff I hadn't thought about in potentially oh, yeah. years. Yeah. People bring up stuff and I'm like, Oh yeah. Haha, I remember that. I'm like, I don't, I'll be honest with, the, with, with you guys. And you're maybe the same way. I, a lot of the stuff I had to flush out of my brain, like as we go episode to episode. Uh, so like, I don't remember some of the stuff, but then people bring it up and it's like, Oh, you know, it's like, you know, we've had people start and like catch all the way up and then yep. they're like bummed. Cause they're like, Oh no, I got to wait week to week so yeah it's a good rem- it, I like i like the reminders i like it, when people bring something up that i'd forgotten about and i'm like oh yeah that was super funny when you know this happened and then right and it, it gives us a chance to kind of get more in depth with it too like you know we can talk more about that particular situation that's always fun to do mm-hmm. 100% yeah so definitely if you're a fan of the show and you're not already on the discord get on the discord have fun with us and like-minded people who listen to the podcast and, you know, we just talk about fun stuff. So, yep. Yep. Uh, Oh, you know what I do want to give a shout out to the, uh, give me back my action movies podcast. Uh, Mm -hmm. those guys are great. Uh, if you haven't heard the show, their show, they have a fantastic podcast. Um, they're also on our discord. They chat with us all the time. Uh, but give me back my action movies podcast. Uh, we don't consider anybody a competitor. They are simply uh, a fellow fan of action movies. Um, <coughs> so yeah, they're they're part of the community, the action movie, the action movie appreciation community. Uh, yeah, there you so go. Yeah, check them out; they're great. Um, and you can check us out on Instagram and uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we do more Instagramming than anything, uh, and I will generally respond if you. Put a comment on Instagram. I will probably respond pretty quickly. Uh, so, yeah. So, check us out there as well. Um, any other plugs you want to get in there? Uh, I'm just going to plug JMB Rare. Yep. <laughs> it's a good good scotch. So if you haven't had it, check it out. There I it still is. have a little bit in this bottle. Uh, I, I was watching the movie, or I told um, – <clears throat> former guest of the podcast, Devin, that I was watching the movie, and he's like, I think I have a bottle of that JMB. And I'm like, oh, and then he did, and he brought it, and he's like, here you go. Oh, did he <laughs> give like, it to you? He, yeah, he gave it to me. Um, he gave it to me. It was like half full. I haven't yeah. drank all of it, but he's like, oh, here you go, so you can have some. So, but then you know, through circumstances, I've been home a lot, so I still have the bottle. So nice. I think I might go. actually have a bottle of it too somewhere from potentially my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. It's a, you know what? And I thought it when I poured a glass of drink when I was watching the movie, I thought it was going to be bad. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. So I had two glasses while we were recording this. So there we go. I feel like you need to uh, buy McCready's hat now and just sit around and drink it. I think that you should get McCready's hat. I should get McCready's hat. I'm going to look it up and we'll see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> Fair Fair so, so if if you're on the Discord and you happen to find uh, a good place that makes McCready's hat, shoot me the link. I'll take a look at it. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. We're all going to get McCready's hat. We're all getting, we're all getting the hats. Get, <laughs> we're going to even get them lined so that we can wear them in the winter as winter hats. <laughs> I can sew. We'll figure it out. All right. So stop flexing about how you can sew, all right? Big flex. I'm a big sew flex. Yeah, watch out. You're going to rip your sweatshirt, dude. I'm like, I like a tailor. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, anyway, anything else? You good? No, I'm, I'm golden. You good? You give a spooky month? How's spooky month going for you? Spooky month is going good, although we missed a week, so it messed everything up. That's all right. We're gonna, <laughs> it's just, spooky month is just going to stretch into November a little bit. That's all. 
spooky month there'll be another month an extra week of spooky month yeah that's good we'll be fine you know what we'll do we'll just have like a shortened because we'll take maybe we'll take a week off in at the end of november and uh we'll just make like a two episode chunk of movies yeah i feel like this could be an off mic conversation Yeah, I don't know. This is a little, this is a little uh, inside baseball for everybody still, still listening. These guys. That's all right. Anyway, plans aside, let's wrap this thing up. How about that? <laughs> yes. Okay. This episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. Joey, you still breathing? <laughs>